0: Welcome back and congratulations on your matriculation into the prestigious Apartment Academy. Our podcast is the multifamily's only operations-focused podcast, featuring insights from industry leaders, investors, vendors, and technology providers. So if you invest in multifamily real estate or you're involved in day-to-day on-site operations of apartment buildings, we are your source for efficient operations and maximizing NOI. Today's podcast was with Professor Matt Nicholas, um, and Matt comes from the insurance side of the world. And it's hard to make insurance exciting, but there are some very interesting things happening in the world of uh, habitational insurance right now that Matt had some great insights into. And uh, I think you'll come away um, understanding some of the the nuance of of why insurance is really important um, than you had before, for sure. So here he comes. Well, Professor Nicholas, welcome to the podcast today. Uh, glad you could make it. Why don't we just um, kind of start off by just giving some background, Matt, about yourself, how you, um, how long you've been in this industry, and, and sort of more a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, so thanks, Daniel, for having me. I've been in the insurance industry for about 20 years now. Focused in the habitational insurance for a good part of uh, that, probably about 17 years now. And... Currently at Alliant Insurance Services, top 10 national broker.
0: You know, insurance isn't, um, isn't always the sexiest thing people want to talk about. Right? <laughs> um, but there are some, some very interesting, uh, slash alarming trends happening right now in multifamily. It's always been, you know, it, it, I, as I've, as I've, I've learned from you over the years, Matt, that, that we've known each other, um, the habitational insurance, Market has always been tough one for carriers. Um, there's a lot of inherent risk. There's a lot of, uh, um, let's say a lack of professionalism sometimes on the insured side to try to mitigate that risk. And so a lot of carriers have just bailed on the market altogether. But right now they're, um, why don't you discuss a little bit of what's happening right now in terms of, um, of the market at the moment? Cause it's, it's, it's taken quite a turn last couple of years.
1: Yeah, it has. You know, uh carriers have lost money on a lot of their accounts over the last 4 or 5 years. Um and as a result of losing money, you know, certain carriers pull out of of wanting to insure certain risks and multifamily has has been hit, you know, harder than other asset classes or other types of risks out in the insurance market. Uh the supply of capacity has been going down. Uh You know, reducing either carriers are pulled out altogether, or they're just reducing that the amount of capacity they're willing to throw at this type of risk. Um, Along with that, they're tightening up their underwriting guidelines, you know, specific to this multifamily class of business, and you know, requiring higher deductibles or charging higher premiums or both. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 been tough the last four or five years for sure.
0: On average, Matt, or or maybe just maybe, what's the range of increases you've seen in? Let's just talk about premiums for a moment uh what, what's happened with premiums over the last you know few years
1: yeah so the the trends for for insurance costs in the industry you know over after about 4 years of, of apartment owners seeing double digit decreases in 2012 to 2016 uh, the pendulum in essence has swung back swung back the other way uh where we're seeing similar increases the past 3 or 4 years now of 8 to 20% depending on the year uh, and it and, and looks like 2021 is going to be the same.
0: Uh, one of the things I've heard is that not just premiums, but the, the deductibles um, are are increasing dramatically. There was a time, I remember early on, when I started of into this industry, we would talk about risk mitigation, and people would say, well, that's what, I have insurance for that, right? If, some, if I have a calamity, I have a, a lawsuit, I have a claim, you know, I've got some small deductible and insurance handles the rest. That's changing now, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, where carriers were typically, uh, you know, providing reasonable rates for lower deductibles in that, you know, 2012-2016 timeframe, uh, they've been pushing deductibles up and an effort to cause some amount of rate relief for those owners as uh, the the rates have continued to go up. So w- one of those things is convective storm, you know, your typical wind, tornado, hail type coverage. It's where it used to be a flat deductible of we call it. Ten thousand, twenty-five thousand dollar deductible, similar to the the AOP deductible. Uh, you know, we're seeing that trend towards a percentage now, similar to a named windstorm deductible, um, and it, it, that's a, across thirteen to twenty states right now. And we're we're seeing that that's probably going to continue up for for all states. Uh, similarly, for that AOP, you know, that fire deductible, where folks used to carry ten, twenty-five thousand dollar deductibles, we're seeing that trend up to fifty to to $100,000 deductible now. Um, you know, the apartment owners are seeing that the difference in cost for the risk that they're giving up is worthwhile. And as long as it's worthwhile, uh, you know, owners are going to take that on.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, a fifty or or $100,000 um, deductible is something that could put a lot of uh, apartment owners out of business, right? If they have a claim, like that'll be it for them. They're in bankruptcy and and that's the exposure that's different now than i think years ago. I mean it is forcing some apartment owners to say, "Look, I can't I can't really afford to be in. I can't afford the exposure um if something bad were to happen." Um right? Is that is that accurate?
1: Yeah, it is. And it it's tough. It, you know, the smaller owners with the smaller balance sheets, they that's a real struggle. Uh you have to find that kind of balance between fixed cost as we call, you know, the insurance premium and variable costs, which is the deductible, and you have to, you know, it's a business, and you have to figure out what you're able, what amount of risk you're able to accept for what amount of fixed cost you're able to pay. And uh, unfortunately, that balance has become a pretty big struggle for small to medium sized operators these days.
0: Yeah. Um, by the way, let's let's step back just one second for for the benefit of the listeners who you know may not be really experienced with the kinds of insurance that somebody like you um, would be, uh, would, would be providing. Um, So Matt, can you, can you walk through the kinds of of lines that a typical apartment owner would need to carry?
1: So the insurance coverages that uh, owners typically need to carry, obviously is the property and liability coverages uh, for fire and storm and bodily injury and such. Uh, A lot of owners will opt to carry environmental coverage for, your, your mold exposure and other things that are typically excluded from the property and liability programs and depending on whether the owner has owned automobiles or not and what their contractual relationship is with their property manager they would also need to carry some sort of hired and non-owned automobile liability coverage and um, potentially owned automobile liability coverage depending on uh, whether they own an auto or not and some other coverages that they might uh, carry or their manager would carry would be your your crime or employee dishonesty coverage, uh, cyber and data breach type coverage uh, that protects from, you know, tenants information, personal information being, you know, stolen or, or lost. Yeah, more and more. And uh, employment practices, liability insurance is a big one as, as an owner, uh, but especially as a manager, um, you know, that's become a, a very hot. Uh, issue as of late, and errors and emissions coverage. Obviously, you know your E and O insurance as a property manager is very important as well for tenants claiming wrongful eviction or owners claiming mismanagement that led to a financial or physical loss. So
0: this division between liability uh, can get pretty messy sometimes. As an operator, as a third-party operator, um, you generally operate under the under the assumption that look, I don't carry the risk of of most claims that are going to happen at the property, um, unless I'm, you know, grossly negligent. That, that typically is the standard that you see in, in, in third party management agreements. Um, but, but grossly negligent, um, can be at best a fuzzy term. It doesn't preclude you from, if the owner feels like you're negligent from refusing to subrogate, which means to take you know, to take to to take on the claim themselves. If if somebody slips and falls and and they sue the property, they might feel like you didn't do a good job. You were as the third party operator, you're grossly negligent yourself. Um, so, uh, uh, making sure that both the, the the owner and the operators are both carrying these kinds of lines of insurance, uh, I know I know to be important. Wanted to share that as well. Um, so. In those various lines, Matt, what um, and I maybe let's talk about. Uh, there's there's not much. There's probably not much you can do to avoid a hurricane, right? Or uh, a hailstorm. There's not much you can do to avoid that. Uh, maybe there's some preparation for that. But when it comes to liability, some of the attritional losses, what what can you do to minimize your exposure to liability, or or even give your broker the power to, to negotiate better, lower rates for you? How can you demonstrate that you're a lower risk?
1: Yeah, I I think it, it, you know, goes to your contracts. First and foremost, the contracts that you have in place with your vendors, with your property managers, uh, you know, the, the, the type and quality of vendors and property managers that that you hire and the, and the contractual risk transfer that you put in place um, is important on top of that you know there's things that as an owner you can do like uh, have a you know master tenant legal liability or renter's insurance program in place that acts as kind of a first layer of defense before tenant caused losses would hit your insurance program uh, that's that's a, a big thing that is being done these days um, and some folks will, will track and manage certificates uh, that's you know the the tracking and managing of certificates of, of insurance by the tenants is one step, but then the providing a solution for those tenants that aren't providing, uh, you know, proof of insurance is, is kind of that other step. So that you're always making sure that a hundred percent of your units that you own have some level of, of renters or, or tenant legal liability in place. You know, there's other things and like
0: force placement, if they're not carrying it on their own, right.
1: Force placement. Uh, there's other things that you can do as an owner, like, uh, you know, the, the fire suppression systems that sit above the the cooktops and, and your units, uh, those are, are key at reducing or eliminating the types of uh, unintended cooking fires that occur in, in units. Um, you know, having uh, regular and documented walks of the property, looking for slip and fall type uh, possibilities that could occur on premises, that's another thing, but yeah, you know, I, I, there's only so much you can do, like you said. You know, there's there's the catastrophic losses that that impact you as well. But but I'd say from the the things that that you can manage, those are some some key factors.
0: Let me, I would just touch on a couple of things you mentioned. Um, why is the the vendor contracts? How, what kind of role does that play in in minimizing risk?
1: Well, within those contracts, you're going to see certain insurance requirements of those vendors. So as a as an owner. Uh, What the insurance carrier is looking for is that you are, as an owner, are mandating that those vendors uh, that, that you're working with and those contractors that come on site carry a certain level of liability insurance and that they're adding the owner as an additional insured to that insurance program rather than relying on their own insurance program. So there's less risk for the owner that does that versus the owner that doesn't.
0: Got it. Got it. And then the administration of that, you, you you said something along those lines as well, like tracking certificates, making sure that the vendors that you're using, that they have active certificates, um, is a key part of that as well. It's not just getting the contract uh, to say you need to carry insurance. They need to provide that evidence on an annual basis that's still carrying that insurance. Correct.
1: Yeah. It, the contract is only part of it. Then there's, you know, in practice how it's working.
0: And then you talked about like regular inspections and that sort of thing. That that really speaks to more like a risk mitigation program, right? Right. Um. What what are what are some of the hallmarks of a of a well implemented risk mitigation program that you've seen, Matt?
1: I think really outlining uh, walkthroughs, property walkthroughs, but but it's not your typical lease turn walkthrough. It's you're looking for certain items, uh, like like I said, slip and falls and. Um, other items that could be uh, seasonal, um, like you know preparation for a hurricane that happens during a certain time of year in a certain part of the country, or or uh, snow buildup on roofs and such. But having that built into the overall risk management program for the portfolio, and and like I said, some of that's going to vary based on the geography that the asset sits in. But having a, a well documented program that is uh, you know adhered to, but also Documented. I think that's the big thing. Uh, being able to go back later and say, "Well, no, we did A, B, and C, like we always do," and here's the documentation documentation that proves it uh, could really help in those litigious, you know, suits that you might get that could otherwise be thrown out.
0: Why is that so hard um, to? Uh, why Why is it? Why is that so hard to make sure that things are documented? Is that a challenge that you see? in within your clients that they struggled to do that in an effective way?
1: You know, there's, there's what the, you know, executives in a company want to see happen or the owner of a portfolio wants to see happen. And then there's the, there's only so much time in the day for the property manager or the maintenance folks. And they're worried about, you know, 10 other things. Um, so could, it the the binder of risk management items usually that sits on the shelf kind of gets, gets forgotten and it doesn't always get adhered to or tracked or properly, it's just not built into the day to day that the operator usually works within.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're more cons- you know they're more concerned about the resident who's complaining because the uh, dog upstairs is, b- is barking, or you know they're being evicted, something major like that. Like walking to do lighting inspections and that sort of thing falls by the wayside, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they're worried about the the lease turn they've got to do because revenue is not coming in for that unit, you know? So it's just the risk management stuff tends to get forgotten if it's not built into their day-to-day duties in a way that puts it, those items out in front of them on a regular basis.
0: Is that, is that program, Matt, something that you or your company Alliant, like if you were, if you were um, my broker for my properties, would you provide that um, risk mitigation program; those those suggested inspections. W- how do owners know what they should be doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Alliant as a large broker, we do have some of those resources. But it, it, when it comes down to it, I mean, we don't. We're not hired to to build from scratch. Somebody's risk management program will advise or or provide feedback or uh, provide pointers or tips. But uh, usually, the owners or or the the companies themselves, the, the management. And ownership companies will develop their own. Uh, but we do recommend, there are some third-party uh, providers out there that we do recommend as a resource. Um, I think Leonardo247 being being one of the, the better ones that we've worked with in the past that really does a great job in getting that information out and into the operations of that
0: owner. If you have a risk mitigation program like that in place, um, what are some examples of um, what do they call them? Attritional losses. This is avoidable kind of losses. What some of the things that you've seen that 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 have caused rates to climb within client portfolios that could have been avoided. What are some common examples of things?
1: I mean, I think I I mentioned earlier, you know, slip and falls. <clears throat> slip and falls are are, are a big deal uh, in apartment communities, whether they're whether there's legitimacy to the slip and fall claim or not, I think every owner deals with slip and fall suits. And um, I think having the appropriate risk management procedures in place to do walkthroughs on a regular basis and document those things, not only does that help the owner stay on top of legitimate items that may pop up on the property that could be slip and fall hazards and they get ahead of them and are proactive at at fixing and, and remedying that situation so it doesn't become a slip and fall hazard, uh, but the, the, again, also the documentation of those regular walkthroughs helps, uh, in the defense of maybe a claim that doesn't have, uh, you know, any legs to it that is being, um, filed on that property owner. Uh, they're able to, to use the documentation that they have from a proper, uh, risk management program that's being executed regularly, uh, in defense. So,
0: mm-hmm. and, and then when there is a claim, um I know one of the things that I have heard I've heard various operators in this industry struggle with is getting a timely incident report filed, right? Why is that so important Matt to get an incident report documented and off to your to your broker in in a in an efficient way?
1: Yeah, you you need your insurance carrier to advocate on your behalf. You need them to defend uh on your behalf as an insured and the sooner you get them involved, uh, the better, really. I mean, it's not only do you have a duty to within your policy to notify your insurance carrier, but you want to get them involved. They're really just looking out for not only their own interest but also your interest and in, and in making sure that if it's, you know, an illegitimate claim that that it's being dealt with early and often to to keep it from affecting uh, your balance sheet or your insurance program
0: and those incident reports need to make sure they have you know uh signatures and statements from witnesses if possible you know there's photos that you want to take like there's kind of a rich data set you're hoping to get as part of that right
1: yeah the more info the better um i know that once the the claims adjuster for the carrier gets involved they're going to ask for that but the more info you can provide up front the better i think that getting in the habit of anytime there's an incident uh taking photos or documenting documenting appropriately and and taking statements, I think all of that at the forefront uh, that can be called upon later in defense is is always a good idea
0: yeah, so if you're still doing instant reports on a on a clipboard on a piece of paper you're you're missing out on an opportunity to to provide the best defense for yourself or your owner in the, the instance where there's a claim. It's safe to say. You, you just talked about something else I wanted to ask about, which is you said, um, it's important to get these claims to your broker as soon as possible because you want them advocating for you. Can you just expand on what, what does that mean, Matt, that you would ad- advocate for, for your clients? And is that something that, that you expect, you should expect a broker to do for you? Or is this just large brokers like Alliant get involved in that? Can you just expand on what that means?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the insurance carrier, they have their interest first and foremost, right? And then as the owner you, uh, of a property, you have your own interest. You're trying to look out for it. Um, but as an insurance broker, you try to you know, look out for the property owner, your client, and, and their interest in any situation. Um, to your point, the larger brokerages across the country have what's called a claims advocacy group. Uh, within uh, uh, the the brokerage firm as part of a uh, value-add services that are provided. And those uh, claims advocates, as we call them, uh, they are, in most cases, either former attorneys or former claims adjusters uh, who have been hired to, instead of working for the insurance company, come work for the broker and look out for the broker's clients. And what they do is they kind of play that first layer of defense and that kind of middleman who's always keeping tabs on things for the client and not just the insurance carrier um, and they they will communicate if things are are not going the way they should within a claim they'll communicate to the adjuster in an in appropriate fashion that uh, is supported by you know data and facts from from their own experiences in the past to to help drive the result that the owner probably you know should be getting or feels that they should be getting from that insurance claim with the carrier
0: and is that a capacity that you find only among larger um brokers or do your smaller regional brokers have this claims advocacy group it sounds important
1: yeah it is and most of the time you know small regional brokers don't have that uh, unfortunately i mean i when i first started in my career i worked for a small regional broker and that was just one of the services that we didn't have uh, but as i moved into working for some of the larger brokers that was something that uh, became aware to me and and is more and more available uh, in those larger brokers.
0: And if you are a smaller operator right now because by the way, you know, Alliant and the Willises and the ones of the world, they don't take every, you know, property owner as a client, right? They they generally want to deal with larger portfolios. So if you are an owner who has a smaller portfolio, you're with a regional smaller broker, you don't have a claims advocacy group what do you suggest? Are there uh, are there consultants that you could you could reach out to to help you with that, or you just you just gut it out on your own? Uh,
1: what I would suggest in that circumstance is there are third party administrators that you can have. You can request your regional broker to have a third party administrative uh, adjustment firm written into your insurance policy with that insurance carrier. And so those uh, third party administrative uh, adjusters do operate to on a particular level, uh, and, and working with the insured, with the client to look out for their interests. Um, it's not quite to the same level as, as the brokers claims advocacy group, but it's, it's a, it's definitely available to them and, and is useful.
0: Cool. Great. I appreciate that. Um, so Matt, I, you've, you've, you, you have a lot of, of, of wisdom in this industry, a lot of time, I know, obviously, you're hoping people will, will think of you when they think of their insurance needs. But if people just—I I know you're open to just answering questions and fielding um, inquiries from people from within the, within the industry with respect to best practices and things. If people want to reach out to you, Matt, where, how do they get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, you could email me at matt nicholas n i c h o l a s at alliant with a t dot com.
0: Cool, and you're in uh you're in Southern California, right, Matt?
1: Yeah, I'm in San Diego, uh, but I have clients all across the country.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, um, look, I really appreciate you coming on today and talking about all of this. It's it's um it's nuanced in that I, a lot of people don't think about the cost of insurance and the liability of insurance, um, when they think about operating or acquiring apartment buildings. But it it, it these days. The last couple of years, it, it, it really demands uh, the level, a level of attention that I think people haven't been willing to give it to uh, previously. So, uh, really, thank you for coming on and, and illustrating that for everybody. Good seeing you. My pleasure. Yep.
1: Great to see you too. Thanks.
0: Well, that's a wrap on today's lecture with our elbow patch festooned professor of multifamily science. Thanks for logging in and listening today. If you've enjoyed these podcasts and you feel like your management company could use a little advice from some of the professors here at the Apartment Academy, then go to our website, apartmentacademy.com and click help me. We'll send you a questionnaire and provide individualized responses to your answers at no charge that I guarantee will offer you insights on ways you can immediately improve apartment operations. Class is now dismissed and my office hours are posted.